0: Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to LevittDenver.org. That's LevittDenver.org.
1: Today on CityCast Denver, with the holidays come delicious home-cooked holiday meals. And with delicious home-cooked holiday meals comes high grocery bills and they may be getting even higher next year me and brie are talking about those big changes for the king of groceries the queen of soft serve and all the other news of the week with a terrific first-time guest plus a few stories you might have missed today is friday december 16th 2022 i'm paul Carolli, and this is citycast denver Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city with one fewer Dairy Queen as of this week. That's right, Bree. Which one? The one on uh, Leetsdale, where it turns into Parker, in that strip mall.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I'm also thinking of two Dairy Queens uh, close to me that have gone out of business in the last two years. Not close to me, me. but, well, there's the one, you know, by Kokoro, like, uh, on Colorado Boulevard. Yes. In the strip mall. So we used to go to Kokoro and then go to Dairy Queen after to get dessert. And now they moved the Dairy Queen over to the U Hills, uh, the U Hills Shopping Center. Oh, uh uh-huh. And then the one by my house that used to be run by a group. It was like taken over by a group of ragtag teenagers that didn't wear uniforms and like... Is that the South Colorado one? The one I'm talking about... By Kokoro, yes, but the okay. one by my house yeah, yeah, was yeah. on Alameda, and it was like literally teenagers ran it however they wanted. <laughs> so, you sometimes they would take your order, sometimes they wouldn't. Who's the
1: Dairy Queen now?
0: It was so funny, but that's now become a uh, bon me spot. So,
1: oh yeah, we were talking about that.
0: But I think does this mean Dairy Queen's on its way out?
1: I hope not. It's
0: obviously. a great job for teenagers. I there's actually, oh. Peyton's over all, here. With all due respect,
1: the teenagers, they're okay. They'll find another job.
0: It's I, a perfect I, teenage job. I
1: I'm, I'm sad love it. about the dilly bars and the, the actually, no, the dipped cone. That's where it's at. Yeah. As great. an adult, that's Get it I've double learned. dipped.
0: That's uh, my recommendation. You can do that. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Even more pissed now that it's going out of business. They're
0: still one by your house. It's on Colorado Boulevard. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway.
1: Um, Sabri's so here. And then we also have a terrific guest today. She's the new star reporter for the Denver Post. We had to have her on the roundup this week because her name was on every story I wanted to talk about. Megan Ululani Boynton is here. Megan, welcome.
2: Hey guys, thanks so much for having me, even though you're making me pretty hungry right now. How no, do you really? feel about
1: DQ? What are your thoughts?
2: Oh, I have fond childhood memories of DQ. So I'm totally, actually, the double dip cone, that was my order. Yeah. So, it's <laughs> the way to go. Which oh, flavor? vanilla with the chocolate dip, of course. Classic. Know.
1: Classic. My wife is like cherry, cherry or butterscotch. Oh. She likes. I don't know, but anything other than chocolate She's for spicy. me is like, why are we here? This is Dairy Queen.
0: <laughs> I've never seen anyone order those. Yeah, I hadn't either. She's keeping the Her flavor whole family. Oh, no. They all love it. Peyton is in the corner, freaking out that she can't say anything. <laughs> Um, strong opinions alright so
1: uh, we should get into our main story the holidays are here and the cost of groceries is going up it's been going up all year, and things are changing because there's two there's two big stories this week, both of which you reported on, Megan. We wanted to start with this one. Attorney General Phil Weiser uh, will be leading a multi-state investigation into the proposed 25 billion dollar merger of Kroger, which owns King Supers, and Albertsons, which owns Safeway. These are two national chains with a lot of local brands. Those are the two here. Um, they're two of Denver's biggest grocery store chains. We all have you know personal relationships with our grocery stores, but let's start with the whole why of this. Megan, why is um, Wiser looking into this?
2: Sure. So this all really started. Uh, news of the merger broke back in October, mm-hmm. um, and it's it turns out that uh, my colleague Judith Collar, who's also a business reporter, and myself. This is mm-hmm. we've really gone from the business beat to the merger beat because uh, <laughs> that's definitely what we're going to be covering up until the deal closes, which is expected to happen in early 2024.
1: It but takes this, that long. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, there's uh, apparently a lot of hoops to jump through, and there's been a lot of opposition so far to the merger. So Kroger and Albertsons announced this back in October. It wasn't a shock that uh, Albertsons was up for sale, but it was a shock that they landed on Kroger to do the deal with, at least according to grocery industry uh, experts that I've spoken with. Um, And so it's almost for about uh, $25 billion. Both of the boards agreed on it unanimously. uh, And since then, it's kind of just caused, like, I'd say, like, a ton of discourse between, like, Colorado officials, federal officials, union representatives, employees, and consumers are all kind of talking about how is this going to impact us. And especially in Colorado, like you said, where King Supers is kind of our, our largest retailer and, you know, you see a Safeway on almost every block. It, it's raising a lot of questions as to what, you know, grocery shopping is going to look like when this merger closes.
1: Mm-hmm. Bree, are you worried about it?
2: I mean, it doesn't like-
0: seem great. It yeah. doesn't seem great that our two largest grocery retailers may become one because that generally eliminates competition in some ways, right? And I, I think that tends to not favor or benefit employees and consumers. I don't know. It doesn't – I don't know. Hmm. I don't know how it will impact my day-to-day. I'm a King Supers guy, so.
1: Hmm. Yeah,
0: it is, it's hard to
1: see why – why a merger like this would would have an effect like that. I think that part is really complicated and depends on like like you said, it's going to take a long time like we don't know the future of the economy of this business. But a lot of people are worried about it and um, there were some Senate subcommittee hearings on this and Megan, I know you came from DC. Maybe you'll recognize the voice in this hearing, but this is CEO of Kroger Rodney McMullen testifying at a subcommittee hearing. Here it is. let me let me ask you this, Mr. McMullen and I'm sure Senator Durbin wants to ask questions here, so I'll hand it over here in just a second. But you you have, as I think you testified earlier, you you conducted a stock buyback recently of I think about a billion dollars.
0: Why not give that money, pass that money along to your... Associates, as you say, in the form of higher wages. Yeah, as as I uh, shared earlier, uh, we've invested an incremental one point two billion dollars in associate wages uh, over the last four years. Could
1: have been two billion if you hadn't have done the stock
0: buybacks. Uh, we we also uh, spent uh, uh, over a billion, right at a billion dollars, uh, uh, improving pension benefits as well, and it's really balancing all the constituents when you look at customers, associates. Uh, communities and shareholders. Back to your earlier comments, sir.
2: Let me guess. Was that uh, Senator Tom Cotton or Senator Josh Hawley?
1: Hawley. Yeah. Hawley. So Republican Senator Josh Hawley. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Interesting. That's what's really interesting is that, so I reported on that Senate subcommittee hearing and that was back in November. So they actually jumped on this pretty quickly. And yeah, it, they were, the both of the CEOs were there mm-hmm. um, and they were kind of getting it from both sides, from both Republicans and Democrats. But, um, Hawley and a few of the other Republicans, it seems like a lot of their grievances kind of came from maybe some of the DEI policies that both of the stores have put into place. And really? Yeah, they, they had brought up a lawsuit that was happening because I think it was in Arkansas uh, where some employees felt that their... Uh, their religion was being suppressed, that they're Christian, and they had to wear, like, I guess a uniform that had a rainbow on it. I don't know. So that's where the Republican grievances came from. Um, the Democratic grievances came from, you know, the fact that they want to keep union jobs. They were kind of more. Like uh, reality.
1: Like real world <laughs> stuff. Not, <laughs> not uniform. Not like, <laughs> pins. Yeah. not like the villain of office space. <laughs> yeah. We need to talk about
3: your flair. Really? I, I have 15 pieces on. I, uh, well,
0: okay, 15 is the minimum. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, it's up to you whether or not you want to just do the bare minimum. Or, uh,
1: well, like Brian, for example, has 37 pieces of flair on today. Okay. Yeah. A terrific smile.
0: Okay, so you you want me to win? Yeah, so pieces they, of flair.
2: There have been, I think, like, so many questions brought up from so many different parts of, uh, I mean, different players in this, like, People are just worried, it seems, about one, loss of jobs, two, the creation of this potentially gigantic grocery monopoly, three, the closure of stores, Mm -hmm. four, the creation of food deserts, Because there might
1: be store closures.
2: Exactly. Well, and so McMullen actually said in that hearing that he wouldn't be closing stores and he wouldn't be laying off frontline associates. And that applies to store workers, warehouse workers, plant workers, ETC. But he did say that... Divestiture was on the table, and that he would work with the Federal Trade Commission about that. And after looking what so, does that mean? What is divestiture? So, when you're divesting something, it means that you're essentially selling a store to a competitor.
1: Oh, so we might see like a Safeway turn into like a Sprouts? Potentially. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting.
2: Um, but so there's like a lot of complications with that too, because I guess. In the past, and that's one of the reasons why A.G. Phil Weiser is kind of leading this multi-state investigation, is that he's kind of noted some of these concerns. And so he's looking into it. It seems like over the next year, he's going to do a tour statewide and kind of talk to consumers on the ground and look into if this merger is illegal and if it's going to impact the consumer negatively. But something that's interesting is there's kind of like a side story happening at the same time and that's called a four there's a four billion dollar special dividend and that's essentially albertson's right now is considering paying out its shareholders four billion dollars and the ags are taking action um kind of the ag in washington has led this so far but Wiser has kind of lended his support in it to try and block this because if albertson's pays out this four billion dollars that means that it could deepen its debt it would like lower its cash reserves and that means that any potential remedies that state and federal regulators give to these corporations about the merger that essentially it wouldn't have the capital to kind of work with government officials in the way that they would need it to does that Mm. make sense
0: it's all very (laughs) it doesn't but i'm also like it's just a struggle to see four billion dollars and then think about what we heard from frontline workers um during the strike right it's like folks are asking for so what feels like so little and in job security and the thing that really struck me about what you just said megan was this worry about food deserts and food deserts are created by corporations like pulling out of communities because they're quote, low performing stores. So even if your grocery store is busy, because it's the neighborhood grocery store, if it's not making enough money for a large corporation, they might just close it. Paul, I'm thinking about your neighborhood. Do you shop at the King Supers on Leedsdale? Yes. So I would say that's, I don't think they've done a huge remodel of that store the way they've done other stores, right?
1: No, no. It's still in the... It's still yeah, in the 90s. Been, I think... Well, I wouldn't know, but I, it seems like it.
0: <laughs> so I, I went there a lot as a kid, but the one I went to was the the one that's your gym now that's mm-hmm. farther down on Monaco. What if they close that store?
1: I would be furious. You
0: know what I'm saying? Although
1: we have been exploring other chains since the strike. Okay. Earlier in the year, we've been going to like uh, Save-A-Lot, the worker-owned one. Not good enough produce. Yeah. Costco, which I was really excited about, but now kind of don't like it all. Sorry, Costco lovers. I'm not going to say freaks. <laughs> I was like, uh, we don't need doesn't... to have a
0: Costco fight <laughs> on this
1: show. <laughs> we can save that for later, but too. For two,
0: You're two people in a household. Buying yeah, produce at Costco make doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense.
1: Um, we've tried Arash, this Middle Eastern grocery on uh, Parker. Incredible. Incredible. Produce is great. We can't really get everything, but like,
0: I don't know. I, I like that kind of food. But the, the, the can't really get everything thing is what mm-hmm. I'm thinking about. Because we were talking about this... Yesterday, Sprouts is great, but like, if you want to buy toilet paper, you don't have very many options. If you need to pick up a prescription, that doesn't happen there. Hmm. If you need to get a money order, that doesn't happen there. Grocery stores-
1: Pharmacies.
0: Yeah, they just serve such bigger functions in communities, these larger stores. And so when you close a grocery store, you're not just losing the food component, you're losing a lot of people's lifelines for other things. A lot of people cash their checks at the grocery store. And these are all the things I think about when we say, oh- they might just close a store in the middle of a neighborhood.
2: No, yeah. def- well, and then you think about how it's going to impact the surrounding community, too, because you think about, you know, where a Safeway or a King Supers is located, oftentimes there's a laundromat nearby, or maybe, you know, there's like a, a, a nail salon, a liquor store. And so if that Store closes. What I've heard it's an some it's right, store. What I've heard some people who are against the merger say is exactly it's going to impact not just that store and not just the people who work at that store, but the surrounding community because they're going to lose customers who usually oh I'm at King Super's. Let me just pop by and you know drop off some clothes or something at the laundromat. Right. Um, and in talking about food deserts too. For us, it's an inconvenience that it's like, oh, you know, if a store closes, right, I'm going to have to drive further. But you really think about how this would impact um, low-income residents of Denver and, and other places where it's like, okay, what if I don't have a car? And now I have to five walk five miles is far. Denver's not known for its walkability either. Right. Or you think about rural communities where it's like you know maybe they had a, a Safeway and a King Super's and now they're just down to one. Yeah. And so it's going to eliminate competition, is what a lot of these advocates are arguing. Um, so and for the
1: workers too, I saw that of the of the major chains, of the top five chains, only Safeway and uh, King Super's have unionized labor forces. So if you want to work for a union shop, you're only going to have one option. Yeah. That's. Yeah like pretty clearly bad for competition for the workers right and so it's going to drive wages
2: McMullen, who would be the ceo of the combined company Mm -hmm. um he had kind of in the hearing argued that you know he comes from a union household that this would actually create the largest uh union retailer in the country which is true and Mm -hmm. they would be competing against walmart which is target yes right but it's so he's kind of refuting uh, a lot of the points that different union reps and government officials are, are saying. And he's saying that this would actually create a boost in wages for associates. Really? Yeah. And that it would.
1: Well, he's saying that because they'll be more profitable. Right. This is his like dream world as a CEO, though. Don't well, you yeah. think?
2: I think I mean, he definitely wants this merger to go through. Mm-hmm. I think There'll be it's, the super grocery store. Right. It
0: hmm. will be
1: the one. I don't know. You know what I keep coming back to is the communities. Like, let's talk more about the communities because he says it's going to benefit communities in that quote from earlier McMullen did. Megan, how is it going to benefit communities? What does that mean?
2: Uh, So this is such... There are so many moving parts to this. Essentially, they want to consolidate the supply chain and take both of their stores and move it into one. And by doing that, that means that they'd be able to lower prices. But there are so many experts that I've talked to who see both sides and i've heard so many different perspectives from both sides i think that a point too that we haven't thought about is something that the rocky mountain farmers union has been saying Hmm. which is looking at well how is this going to impact our farmers too because it's a population that we don't normally think about but i used to do ag reporting in dc actually so it was funny that this has kind of dragged me back into my ag reporting roots um but you think about how farmers will go to different stores and you know you kind of leverage these stores to try and get you know better prices exactly for your own. Eggs. And suddenly, ex- eggs. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Preview. But you go to these stores, you try and leverage them for better prices. Suddenly, if you're only left with one, well, then you that don't impacts- don't have that leverage. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you have kind of a, a lack of competition there is what a lot of people are worried about. So there's that from the farmer's end. Again, consumers right now, we're already worried about inflation. We're worried about this potentially looming recession.
1: I mean, this is what it looks like, right? This is contraction. Like, they are they would be closing stores because they are not profitable. They're not profitable because they're not doing enough business. They're not serving enough people.
0: They're not... Compared to other stores. They are serving the community. Maybe your community is not that big. So you're not as profitable. That's the really tough part about grocery stores. I worked... um, When I worked in urban planning, I worked on the Colorado Fresh Food Financing Fund. And basically, we um, helped find grant funding for small grocers in r- mostly in rural areas but in some urban areas to try to supplement what they couldn't it, the the margins were so slim they were trying to serve their community a lot of times because the walmart had closed mm-hmm. and that was the grocery store or the king supers or the sprout or you know whatever had closed they're try they're trying their best so are Our community's already struggling with this issue of a lack of food access. And I just don't, this merger doesn't seem like it's going to make that any better. And I think it's going to make it worse.
1: Yeah. Well, we're kind of already talking about farmers, and we teased it a a minute ago when I brought up uh, the eggs situation. This is another story you wrote this week, Megan. What's the deal with eggs?
2: Yeah, yeah. So actually, and this was funny, I just saw it in a random press release at the bottom of my email from, I think it was the Colorado Department of Agriculture, that was like, oh, hey, in 2023, we're going cage-free. And I was like... Is nobody talking about this and I asked my editor and he was like "Uh, yeah let's run with that let's do that so I started looking into it and it turns out that in 2020 uh, the state legislature passed this law where um, as of January 1st 2023 they were going to start this transition in the state to Mm cage-free and so that means that on January 1st actually businesses including grocery stores cannot sell caged eggs anymore And farmers have to start transitioning from, um, if they are doing the caged approach, to cage-free. And Mm -hmm. they have about two years, so they've got until January 1st, 2025, to truly transition over. So it's not like anybody should expect fines coming in February. Same with the stores, because they understand that they have to kind of, you know, upgrade their supply chains. But yeah, so that's something that consumers can expect. And so on one hand, um, consumers can rest easy knowing that their choices some would argue come from more ethically sourced hens on the other hand though it does come with a price tag and at least one farmer that i talked to in montrose said that that could be a dollar more expensive two dollars more expensive um and after i went to king supers probably a couple of weeks ago eggs are already between three dollars at the least expensive and eight dollars at the most expensive so y'all get ready
1: Bree, you ready
0: I mean, the thing that I struggle with here is that it feels almost like at this point in time, we have to force ourselves as consumers to either be animal welfare advocates or be able to afford our groceries. And that's what I don't like about it. It's like, On one hand, I, of course, want to support a more humane treatment of animals. But if I'm a family of five and I have to pay $2 more now for eggs... That's a really tough call. And so, I mean, it's going to be instituted no matter what. It's just, it just feels like, I don't know if this was the right way to go about it. Mm.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm torn on this one because I'm with you, Brian, on choice. Like as a longtime vegetarian, I appreciate having choices in the grocery store. Um, but I don't like thinking about people who are spending more on groceries.
0: Right. Every, it's
1: already too expensive. Groceries just, are so expensive is,
0: right now. Like I bought a half gallon of milk and it was like $6. I was like, this is insane. Eggs are kind of one of those universal proteins. Yeah. They they cross cultures. Almost everyone eats eggs. So I don't know. It's, it's not as easy as just being like, well, just go to rice and beans then. You know, like, I don't know. It's a struggle. But at the same time, I think that we need to update how we treat animals at the same time. And I don't yeah. like that consumers have to bear the burden of that because... This is what industrial farming has brought us.
1: Yeah. Megan, how does, uh, tell us more about industry. How does industry feel about this?
2: Yeah. So, you know, the livestock industry is pretty torn, it seems. There's been a lot of mixed reviews on it. So, Rocky Mountain Farmers Union is uh, for it. Colorado Farm Bureau is against it because they wanted this to be more of a voluntary uh, consumer-driven transition than something that was state-mandated, kind of citing the expenses that it's going to cost both consumers and farmers who have to kind of upgrade their farms as a result. (laughs) Um, Colorado egg producers is... Uh, an association that's probably been most active in this sphere, the executive director who I talked to declined to say what their stance was on it, just saying, you know, it's a state law and that they've worked pretty heavily with the Colorado Department of Agriculture to try and make sure this transition keeps the farmers in mind. But yeah, he was uh, pretty adamant that the caged approach gets vilified and that, you know, it is the most economical way to produce eggs. But the Montrose farmer that I talked to who does pasture raised eggs, he was of the opinion that, you know, it's the least humane way because these are chickens that are kind of born in a barn, live their lives in a barn and stay in a cage yeah um and so i mean this might be helpful for your uh listeners too because for me when i started this story i was kind of like what what do all these labels mean anyway you know like when you're standing in front of the egg aisle and you're like what is this what is the best choice for me and my wallet and also you know like my moral obligations and so the way that this farmer broke it down for me was that caged It's the most common way. They've been doing this since probably like the 1930s um, and 1940s. Um, The next one up is cage-free. And that's when they're no longer in these cages, but they are still living um, inside of a barn. They get a little bit more space, but not that much more. The next one up from that is Mm free-range. And that's when uh, they do get a little bit of outdoor access, but it can be limited. Um, And then after that is pasture raised and that one's definitely the most expensive because you need to have i think a certain amount of land acreage for every hen but and that's what this guy does uh this farmer i talked to in montrose
0: yeah that's the kind i eat but i can afford it it's expensive eight dollars for 12 eggs yeah that's a lot but I, i i buy vital farms and you can like you can like go on a website and see the farm and like I don't know how realistic is it really one is that has like the little pamphlet in it yeah it comes like,
2: with a meet your chicken yeah and it's like this is harmonious Helen yeah. and you're like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah like look how happy she is <laughs> totally
0: and like I don't know am I just buying into this PR thing or I don't know I mean oh, they there's do very well
1: all right well we'll see what happens with eggs in the new year and um, we'll take a quick break and be we
0: else.
1: All right, we're back. We talked about a story that everyone's feeling—the cost of groceries going up—and um, now we're going to talk about three stories that we may have missed. So we're just going to each talk about uh, something that's overlooked or not gotten enough attention this week. Who, who wants to start? Bree, Megan?
0: Bri, I want to start. Up. Yeah, Let's go, go, for it. It. go for go it. Go for
2: it. So I had seen a couple of days ago, the Washington Post had written a story about um, how women's pain can often be minimized by doctors. And that's from everything from PCOS to heart disease to IUD insertion. And that's something that I've actually been wanting to do a story about for a while, is the fact that women aren't offered anesthesia um, normally or even pain meds when it comes to getting your IUD inserted. And yet they pierce your cervix when it happens. And so many women are in so much pain uh, when it happens and they're kind of just told to like, okay, go go walk it off, um, uh-huh. whereas men get you know anesthesia for uh, vasectomies, which I would argue are about the same pain level. I thought that it had like a really good Twitter discourse going um, from a lot of women who kind of weighed in
0: and were like, yes, this is what we've been talking about. Hmm. I just had this exact experience. I just had an IUD inserted for yep. the first time in my life and I didn't want to do it, but my doctor was like, it's really the best option for mm-hmm. you. And they gave me a Xanax to relax. <laughs> before How'd that go. <laughs> it didn't make any difference yes. <laughs> whatsoever. But I I know I've long been on this train too. I think we don't talk enough about concerns around birth control, whether it's the the pain level of things or the effects of them. There just has not been enough studies and work done on the I mean, I've just I've been through this crazy process in the last couple of years to have a kid and I learned so much about what I hadn't been told by doctors over the last 20 right. years of having my periods. So. like you have to really be your own health advocate yeah absolutely absolutely I saw that conversation you were having and I think it's totally how why not like why can't we just be
2: I've seen that a lot of women kind of have to demand it or yeah. like for me I was you know you kind of trust your your doctors yeah. and um but yeah that's and I like to think you know that I have a pretty high pain tolerance. I think most women do um, since mm-hmm. we give birth. But uh, yeah, that was the most painful experience uh, of my life. And so now I kind of try and, you know, because I want more women to get the IUD, right? Because that's, for me, that's seven years seven of not years. having to worry. Yep. Um, it's but, pretty awesome. And so it's, it's well worth it. But for that five, ten minutes of excruciating pain, it's really hard to sell your girlfriends on, you know, hey, this is a great investment when, you know, you have this kind of huge hurdle of actual physical pain.
0: Yeah,
1: hmm. I agree. Paul, any hmm. thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> let's
0: get the man's I, I feel
1: like you two have said it all. I mean, this, <laughs> this reflects my view of the world. He's smart. I have nothing to add. Um, but let's keep it moving. Bree, what do you got? What's your overlook story of the week?
0: Uh, Westward ran this story. Certain Denver parks warn adults without children to stay away from Thomas Mitchell. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. um, there were these signs put up at a couple parks, Governor's Park and Sunny Lawson Park, um, to let let people know that you must be with a child at all times if you're going to be in the park, which uh, I was like, hmm. At first, they're like, oh, it's to keep children safe. I'm like, yeah, sure. sure. Um, I, no. This is, again, the city is working hard to privatize our public space. Um, Of course, the hysteria that we get with this story is needles. We found needles. Okay, fair. I don't love finding needles anywhere either. Um, Harm Reduction Action Center is down the street from Governor's Park. The city could partner with them tomorrow to fix this problem, and they refuse to do that. Um, there's also a lot of profiling that's going to happen here, and and uh, uh, Parks and Rec Deputy Manager Scott Gilmore sort of says that straight out. That like, well, we can't really enforce it, but if you look like you're on a date or you're swinging on a swing, these were the these were the examples he gave. We probably won't bother you, but oh. if you look like you're doing illicit activity, we'll ask you to leave the park. So we're profiling people. Hmm. We're profiling who can use public space, and I'm just this. It's like deja vu. This happened last year with Civic Center. I'm just tired of it. It's our city not dealing with real problems by putting up signs, which, by the way, he even says in the article, are not enforceable legally. I was just going to ask mm. how it's, how do they plan en- to enforce it that? It's legally not enforceable.
1: Okay. So, this is such a Denver problem. This, like, putting up fences. Although, I visited LA and they have the same issue because we went visited like Echo Lake and it was just like a beautiful park with giant fences around it. Like, why would we do this? This is ruining this for everybody. Um, We're
0: privatizing public space.
1: But I think that, I mean, I'll just cut to the chase. Like, the mayor is choosing this approach. We're going to have a new mayor soon. They're going to be able to change it. We want to talk about that. How do we change it? What are the other approaches? I'm going to put an open call out to all mayoral candidates. Oh, If you want to call in, we will play your message if you're running for mayor. And you have a... How about that? Is that okay?
0: What is the... What are we asking them?
1: What are you going to do about the camping ban?
0: Okay. Because I do... I agree. I think this is an extension of the camping ban. Yes. Um, Parks and Rec says, well, the Children's Museum has a similar policy. It's the Children's Museum. Yes. It is a museum for children. You are talking about public parks.
1: Yes. So, mayoral candidates, this is a guarantee. We'll play your voicemail if you (laughs) leave it with us your name, your neighborhood, your campaign website, and you might hear it. No, you will hear it on the show.
0: Okay. I can't wait for that episode.
1: Call in 720-500-5418, 720-500-5418.
0: Megan, you've lived in a lot of different places. Yes. How do you feel this is tackled or how have you seen cities deal with this in other places? Deal with the not having adults in parks or... uh, (laughs) I mean, it is really, it is a broad question, I guess. I mean, the... I'm inferring from this story that this is really about keeping our unhoused population out of parks. Mm. I don't know if that's a thing that they do in other cities. That's so. I've I've noticed every
2: every place that I've lived kind of has a different way because I've lived in New Orleans, uh, Phoenix, Washington D.C., and now Denver. I mean because i think about how in dc they put up those spikes and it's just like oh my god (laughs) yeah we have that too yeah it's i mean and in new orleans there's definitely like um there's there's a lot of parks that people experiencing homelessness live in um i don't feel like their uh policies are are super stringent around homelessness Hmm. um yeah but it's i mean Every city has a different approach. And to be honest, I don't feel like I've seen a city that has tackled it like correctly. Exactly. It's an
1: America problem. Yeah. It's an America problem. American cities. We'll keep talking about this, um, but I have some good news. I have some good news. Mine is, here's the lead from the New York Times, Kenneth Chang. Scientists studying fusion energy at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California announced on Tuesday that they had crossed a long-awaited milestone in reproducing the power of the sun in a laboratory. Nuclear fusion is here. Oh, It's a huge breakthrough that's overlooked. It's energy. It's the answer. It's the future. Not for a long time. But it's like... For the first time that they used this f- previously theoretical idea to create energy in a lab from, like, nothing but molecules, you know? It's just, if they get the technology to a point where you could power cars with this, think of how it could change our cities.
0: Tell me what it is. I don't understand <laughs>
1: I cannot. I have told you <laughs> every detail I know. I, any, level, any more molecular than that, even probably I've gone too far already, but it's here, and it's so cool. See, Neither of you are excited by this.
3: I don't know <laughs> what it is.
2: I don't know well, And I feel like my first response was, oh, because, yes, it's incredibly, I think that that's so cool, actually, and it's so beyond my realm of expertise um, that I'm really blown away by it. But at a certain point, this is kind of how I feel with the internet. I'm just kind of like, I feel like humans need to chill for a second because I feel like, I, I mean, anything nuclear, I don't know, hmm. in the hands of humans, I'm just like, let's Let's get it away. Let's, uh, I don't know if we're in a space right now in 2022 to handle anything more. Elon Musk can merely handle Twitter. So um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's true. Bree? I don't
0: know what it is. <laughs> don't know what it
1: is. Well, all of us can learn more about nuclear fusion. I'll make sure to post a link to that and all the other stories that you maybe overlooked. Okay, okay. Let's leave it there. We got a couple more things for you today. Bree,
0: do you want to set up
1: this next uh, special something we got? Well, Paul,
0: our people... Coloradans, our people, love to talk about weather and I thought why don't we call our favorite meteorologist and have him give us the weather report for this weekend. I love it. So here's Andy Stein. What's up weather fam rain or shine I'm Andy Stein here with CityCast Denver weather. I know I'm excited about that too. Hey y'all, we have a great forecast coming up. It's been a little cloudy lately, it's been pretty chilly lately, but you know what, we're gonna transition and see a lot of sunshine this weekend. Highs are still gonna be pretty cold on Friday, only a couple of degrees above freezing at best, but Saturday and Sunday we'll be back to around normal in the low to mid 40s. Plenty of sunshine, clear skies overnight, falling down into the teens, which is again about normal for this time of the year. So overall, really just a pleasant weekend coming up and I think we all deserve some of this Colorado sunshine that's coming. Y'all enjoy it it. Payton, be- before we get started, what's your Dairy Queen hot take? I know. I was
3: freaking out over there. Oh, First I'm ready. All, I think the world needs less Dairy Queens. That's my Ouch. hot take. There's just so many good, like, independently owned ice cream stores all around Denver and everywhere else. We don't need DQ. She's making We points. just don't. At all. Ever. What? <laughs> they're just, they're not necessary. Clearly you haven't tried their
0: food options
3: it, no it's we <laughs> don't and chill Peyton we don't need DQ but I will say when I used to go to DQ the dipped cone was my go-to Exactly, and I was a cherry girl so Ooh. cherries you <laughs> guys are sustaining that, that flavor interesting yeah me i've never did anything else just that's a cherry. hot take really good those are my dq hot takes that i was Yikes. freaking out
0: about <laughs> over there you, know, you were such a dq
3: hater okay yeah we don't need dq in the world guys All we right. do support
2: local though i yes. like and that. we have Agreed. like
3: we have like really good ice cream options but that's that's a conversation <laughs> sometimes for sometimes I want to eat garbage you know <laughs>
2: bonnie bray I mean, ice cream though shout out yeah, yeah okay Let's...
3: all right on to the weekend events paul yes
1: it's time for the official city cast denver maybe for your weekend as in maybe you'll see us there because as usual there are so many cool things happening in denver this weekend and we have opinions peyton garcia rounds up her best bets in our newsletter hey denver every week and she's here to give us her top picks peyton
3: sure okay so first event Bazaar navideño this is happening uh, tonight from four to seven p.m. and it's free to attend. It is happening at Convivo Cafe. Have you guys heard of this place? No. Yes, you have. Yes.
2: yes. What's it? What's up? It's a it's a new cafe. It's a Guatemalan cafe, yes. and it's yeah. I went there because there's a a Lakewood nonprofit that works with rural indigenous Guatemalan women, yep. and they had like a um a party there essentially that was showing some of the the women's uh artwork Mm -hmm. that they do and they sell. So anyway, yes. Yes. been there. It looks
3: like a gem. Super cool. Yeah. Owned by um, immigrant women, Guatemalan inspired. It's it's bilingual cafe. They like focus a lot on that Guatemalan culture. Um, So it just sounds really cool. And they're so they're brand new and they're hosting a Christmas market featuring Northside businesses and vendors. Um, And there will be like Latin American music and Latin American street food. so it just sounds like a really fun time to support a really cool new business. That sounds amazing. Yeah.
1: That's pretty good. That's pretty okay. good. I'm okay. interested in that. What's number two?
3: All right, number two, uh the Globeville Block Party. Ooh. Oh fun. Yeah. Huh. It's it's taking place at three separate venues in the Globeville neighborhood, all on Forty Fifth Avenue. So there's gonna be like a big tent. Is that outside. where Fort Green is? yes yeah okay um so there's gonna be a big tent where they're gonna have like live music there's also gonna be a food and clothing drive happening so you can you know bring stuff to donate um and then the two other venues that they're collaborating with are birdseed collective and fort green cool and those two businesses will be hosting um activities and events like an aztec dance ceremony yoga classes art workshops um so again kind of a good cause bring some food and clothing to donate and this is outdoors um, some of it's outdoors. If you go to the tent, I believe that's all outdoors. And then Globeville um, Rec Center
0: it's like yes huge. Okay. That's yeah. probably okay. where they'll do the Aztec dance. They usually do it inside in the gym.
3: Yeah. So sounds fun. Good day to hang out in Globeville if you don't mm-hmm. you know spend much time mm-hmm. up that way. Not bad.
1: Not bad. What's number three?
3: All right, number three happening tomorrow from one to nine PM, also free, is West Colfax Cares so this is a day-long initiative Um, a bunch of the businesses along west colfax participate and what they're doing is offering specials to help raise money for kids experiencing homelessness in denver so participating businesses include like little man ice cream Mm, a good a good place to go that's not dq um (laughs) (laughs) wholesale blend bar and lake steam bathhouse uh so they're offering specials oh nice um to help raise that money you some of them are doing things where if you bring, it's also a, a winter clothes drive for um, for kids experiencing homelessness. So if you bring clothes to donate, you can get like, you know, whatever, ice cream or something. Fun. Um, so yeah, another kind of way to give back this season.
1: Another great spot. Similar yeah. event. It's yeah, these are like, these are like two different, different cool neighborhoods strips. too, yeah. wherever yeah. you want
3: to hang this weekend. Yeah, mm-hmm. take your pick. What's number four? And number four, lastly, this Sunday from noon to 3 p.m. is the final is your final chance to experience a holiday tour at the governor's residence at Betcher Mansion in Cap Hill. Okay. They have not done this since 2019, um, and they've done it for a few different weekends in December. And this is the last chance, so you go and each it's free, and you go in and each room on the main floor is uniquely decorated. It was kind of interesting. They have, like, old Christmas decorations from, like, way back when. old That sounds incredible. (laughs) I just wrote a story
2: on this, actually. Yeah, I got to tour it. Yeah, tell us. Um, That's the best part. It's exactly what Peyton was saying. Um, So each room has a different theme. And so some of them, it's like they'll have, like, one of them was, like, kind of 1950s vintage themed. And so they borrowed like a staffer's christmas tree it's like a a tinsel tree from the 1950s which apparently are very expensive to get now but somebody had got it like right after they got married as like a I don't know, a splurge. Um, so they let them borrow it and they have that whole room decked out with kind of like fifties era decorations. And then they also have like a 1920s themed, uh, tree. And then they've got like the huge tree that has like, it's dedicated to gold star families and, um, military members who have passed in line of duty. Um, but it's, it's gorgeous. They even have a Hanukkah room since, yeah. uh, yeah, since, Polis, since uh, yep, Polis is Jewish yep. and his, uh, husband. Mm-hmm. So they have a menorah room and that was really, I, I liked seeing that. Um, so it was great. Any time that I've been able to go, and I've been able to go twice now for some stories. Um, it's just it's a gorgeous place.
1: I'm so sold on that one. I'm gonna. You're gonna have to f- tear me away from that <laughs> one with my claw, my fingers know, clawed I was in like, the ground. I'm a Globeville gal
0: myself. Ooh, I think?
2: was actually. So I was leaning uh, for the top two. Uh, I was thinking
0: Panivo
3: Cafe. As- wow, this is.
1: Convivo Cafe was yours, Peyton.
3: Yeah, okay. we're all pretty separated this week. Oh, well, I do like that bar in Globe
1: Globeville. Fort Green's cool.
0: Yeah, Fort Green is really cool.
2: You, you have had, you had what the, were you there? The Aztec dance ceremony. Oh, it's so that, awesome. That's where to you had witness. witness. It's really beautiful, and that's the for number two for the I think,
1: Globeville, yeah, Globeville, Globeville option. Party. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> all right. I guess we could pick Globeville. I think
3: the Globeville block party. Is I'm one fine with out. that. They all sound fun to me. They, they really do.
1: Cool that the governor's mansion is doing that. That's I, first um, time
3: since 2019. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's neat. That's neat. Sweet. But find us in Globeville, maybe. There you have it. The official CityCast Denver, maybe for your weekend. But there's way more where that came from. Peyton's got plenty more recommendations in our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can subscribe to right now by texting Denver to six six eight six six. I forgot something. We're doing something next week that listeners should call in about and help us out with. We want to, we're going to do uh, wins and fails of the year. Ooh. So like what are yeah, what are the Denver wins? Who who are the biggest winners? What did they do? What were the biggest success stories of the year? And then what were the biggest fails? Who are the biggest losers? Who failed <laughs> the biggest, the hardest, the fastest?
0: The Broncos? Ah, oh, that's what no. I was going to say. <laughs>
1: that's a good one. That was a huge face plant
2: <laughs> this year for
0: the Ouch. Broncos.
2: Yeah, we're not looking too
0: good. Broncos no. and the uh, air pollution people. <laughs> we'll talk about next doing, week. Doing bad.
1: Uh, well, Peyton, Bree, Megan, thanks for, for joining me. Yeah, thanks guys
2: yeah. so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Yeah,
0: thanks guys. This is great.
2: Let's all get some Dairy Queen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no thanks.
1: And that's all for the week here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, and Aaron O'Toole. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter, Hey Denver. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Mocochetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on Twitter at CityCast Denver, and tell Kroger CEO Rodney McMullen about us next time you see him. You can sign up for that daily newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866 and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. And remember, if you are running for mayor, we will play your voicemail if you tell us what your plans for the camping ban are and why. See you all next week.